Welcome to season three of the Anchored by the Sword podcast. I'm Gina, and I'm so excited to have you guys join me this week. Enjoy listening to the God-given freedom story of the individual featured, and share it with your friends, share it with your people. Let's get the word out that God still frees his people. Let's go. Let's do this. Season three begins now. Hey guys, I can't believe the Christmas season is right around the corner. Two of my friends, one of which you've heard about, Krista Crookston from One Blessed Mama Designs and my friend Melinda Lee from Lee's Bees. They are amazing women. They have come alongside this ministry, created specific lines with me for this ministry and have been strong supporters of everything that Anchored by the Sword stands for and what we're doing. Now, these two forces have come together to create some great product lines for Christmas, for your family, for your friends, bracelets, earrings, also honey products, just some great stuff. And they ship, so it's awesome for you guys. So, head over to www.anchoredbythesword.org, go under collaborations, and you can click the links for either one of them. Or click the links in the show notes from today. Thanks a lot, guys. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another week of the Anchor by the Sword podcast. I'm Gina, and I am so excited to introduce you guys to Cassie Brown. Now, Cassie and I, we've been kind of running in the same circles online for quite a while. Come to find out, we actually only live like 30, 40 minutes from each other, just up 77 So it's really cool, and I'm so glad to introduce her to you guys today. Thank you, Cassie, for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. I am really excited. I've been kind of watching your podcast and be like, should I ask if I can be on it? Like, (laughs) I'm just so excited for the fact that you have this podcast, especially so close to home and geographically close to me. So I appreciate the offer. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, we are doing it over Zoom, but that's what happens when it's nighttime. <laughs> exactly. It's dark. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially in the wintertime. It's not fun. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so would you like to introduce yourselves to my listeners? Yeah. So my name is Caspi Brown. I am a wife of Nick for the last 16 years. I am a mom of Caitlin and Kincaid. They're 13 and 11. And I am the stepmom Um, or extra mom to my son, Skylar, who's 21, and he is doing his own thing and living his life, and he's got it together. So I'm like, not (laughs) not that buddy. Um, I work full-time as a nurse for the Cleveland Clinic. I am very missionally driven. Um, I'm getting my master's at Wheaton College in leadership and evangelism in the Propel Wheaton cohort. I was in Propel cohort number one. So (laughs) that means that I actually, um, I've gotten to go to school with just trailblazing women, um, including Aubrey Sampson, Christine Kane, Kate Krizenga, which some of those names you don't know, but um, they're amazing women. Um, Heather Case, who's another one. Like I could go down the list, just amazing trailblazing women that are passionate about Jesus um, and passionate about God's kingdom and want to grow themselves. And we've been in this cohort for five years. I'm graduating in May. Um, I worked. Uh, yes, I. Ha- it has been a rough five years. Um, <laughs> I worked full time, even during a pandemic, I've been working full time. Um, I took a management position um, for a short time during the pandemic and then went back to home care. 
Um, and we live in Eurexville, Ohio. It's a small town. It is a town. And <laughs> we love the Lord, but we love our community. And so we have just been so intentional about building community on mission here um, in Tuscos County. And uh, I run a nonprofit called On Purpose Consulting Group. And we also launched this year a community called Grit and Glitz, which um, has just been a lot of fun and just exciting and I mean, just life-changing for women. So it has been a full season. I told Nick, and we moved in the middle of it. I told him, I'm like, I am tired. Um, it has been a crazy season in our lives. Yes, it surely has. <laughs> and um, I will put links to all of the things that you just talked about in the uh, show notes. So that uh, especially people, when if you're from Northeast Ohio, you got to look these uh sites up come hang out with Cassie all the mm -hmm. things like it's so fun if, if you're from northeast Ohio you know my husband because he was the fourth in the state to have COVID wrote a letter on the ICU window that went viral all across the globe um and just was a beacon of hope for people so like that's how we're known as we're we're famous for COVID which is great <laughs> <laughs> yeah and to see the story and to see all the things that have happened which we'll get into to see everything that has come out of this and just to give God all the glory and not just to keep the focus on you guys, but you've really focused on God and what he did to heal Nick mm -hmm. and how he has used that to forward his glory in all of this. It's been so, so good. It has been so I've never been in a season where it's been so good and God has been so good, but I am also so exhausted. <laughs> I'm like, Lord, like it's supposed to be easy. Yeah, like, just kidding. Yeah. JK. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so you want to talk about what happened? Yeah. So um, in March of 2020, actually, it goes back to the end of January. I was actually at Wheaton. Um, and I was in California taking classes. And when I came home and my feet hit the ground in Cleveland, I just felt an overwhelming feeling that I needed to start praying for my husband. Um, and I've never had that feeling before. And we've been married, we were married for 15 years, almost 15 years at that point. And um, I just, I had this overwhelming feeling and actually friends were calling me. They're like, Hey, is everything okay with Nick? I'm like, yeah. I didn't tell them. And they're like, I, I just really feel like I'm supposed to pray for your husband. And so we're just going to start praying for Nick. And I'm like, okay. So I would, I stopped sleeping in February. I just couldn't fall asleep. And so I would roll over and lay my hands on my husband's chest and just begin to pray. I'm a fourth generation preacher's kid. So my parents always taught me if God wakes you up in the middle of the night, you just start praying. And so I just started praying for my husband. So in March of, um, 2020, my husband um, came home with a fever and he declined very quickly. Uh, he went from just fever to he turned gray and his oxygen levels. So when I'm, I'm mom and nurse, there's a sick room in our house. Um, there is Lysol, there is Pedialyte, like there's everything that you need. And I check vital signs. So I just watched my husband's oxygen level go from 97% down to 91 in three days. Wow. And I'm like, Nick, something's not right. You have pneumonia. I don't know how you have it this fast, but you have pneumonia. And so we ended up going into the hospital. 
it was right when the governor was starting to talk about COVID. And um, he, we actually went to stat care first. He passed out in stat care, which was a blessing because it got him to the ER. Mm-hmm. And when we went to the ER, um, they did a chest x-ray. It didn't come back the way that they needed it to. So they're like, we're going to do a CT scan. And so they did a CT and we're just having a good old time. I'm like, you're going to get some fluids. You're going to get some antibiotics. It's going to be fine. We'll get you taken care of. We'll go home. Um, and all of a sudden chaos erupted outside of the ER and they shut our door and like people are yelling at each other and it's just like mass pandemonium and we're sitting there and Nick's like something big is happening. And then I saw the cart, the isolation cart come up to our room and I looked at Nick and I'm like, the big thing is us, something's wrong. And so they came in and they said, we think you have COVID-19, you have ground glass opacities in your lungs. Now at this point, I was like, slow your roll. Um, these are the tests you're going to run. We're not going to just say he's got COVID and be done. Like, I want you to run other tests. I want you to check for Legionella. I want you to check for mycoplasm pneumonia. I want you to do a sputum sample. I want you to do a lactic acid. Um, I want you to do other things as well. Like, we're not going to get on the COVID crazy train. There was only three in the state at that time. And like, we're just not doing it. We're mm-hmm. going to treat him like a normal patient. Um, we'll stay in the isolation and everything. Um, I did not know that that day would be the last time I would see my husband awake for almost a month. Mm. Um, I was escorted out of the hospital by security. I wasn't allowed out of my house. Um, People were going insane. Um, They knew that there was a 38 year old um, union hospital with COVID. They didn't, you know, his name wasn't out there, but we had people online threatening to burn our house down. Um, I have two little girls at home. I am just trying to navigate all of this. We're the first one. So everything's new. Um, And I want to be very honest from a spiritual perspective. I was like, Jesus, I don't need your help with this one. I got it. Mm -hmm. Um, And for the first four days before he was um, the first COVID patient, like there were four days where they were doing testing. Testing kits were not out yet. Cleveland Clinic hadn't gotten approved for all the testing. So I'm like, I've got this. I will be running this ship. And um, on the day he was diagnosed, it was March 14th. And I'll never forget because every day I read a proverb, um, every day, regardless, I read the proverb of the day. And the proverb of that day was um, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Ooh. And I just found out right before I read that, I just found out what that Nick was the first COVID patient and they were going live and like, it was going to be a whole thing. And I just remember being utterly terrified, but but still trying to go, okay, God, I got this. I got this. And so nobody knew it was Nick. My family didn't even know. And then on the 15th, he was ventilated. Um, And they allowed me, they snuck me into the hospital. I wore full PPE before I came in. I was asymptomatic. Like I followed every single standard rule. And I went into my husband's room and they gave me five hours with him. And he was fully ventilated and he was medicated and on a paralytic. And I remember calling his mother and telling her, I'm not the nurse anymore. I'm the wife. Um, And this is the point I need you to understand. Nick is critical. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if he's going to live or not. And I began to pray over him and I put worship music and I, I prayed and touched him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet. And I prayed over every single area of my husband because I knew, I knew intrinsically something was, there would be a story about this. I knew in those moments, I took photos of him in the room while I was in there with him. I just knew that there would be a story. I didn't know how I knew, but I was like, I need to record this. I need to make sure. 
And so he was taken up to Cleveland main campus and he was fully ventilated for eight days. And he, they took him off the paralytic and the first day he was hundred percent mechanically ventilated. And at 4.30 in the morning, I called my mom first. And my mom is a Bible believing prayer warrior woman. And I said, mom, the first COVID patient in Tuscarawas County, it's Nick and he's fully ventilated. And I don't know if he's gonna live. And I remember in that moment, my mom did not tell me, baby, I'm so sorry it happened. I'm not, my mom did not give me comfort in that moment. She said, Cassie, I believe that God is elevating you and Nick. And I believe that God is going to use this for his glory and many are going to come to him. And that was not, Gina, what I wanted to hear. Mm -hmm. As a wife, I told my mom, I said, I don't care. Um, I don't care if we're elevated. I just want my husband back. And so that was the moment where I told her, I said, you call every single crazy Pentecostal Bible believing <laughs> prayer warrior that, you know, I said, mom, if they have faith, you call them and you tell them to pray for Nick. And so at four 30 in the morning, I began to call every single prayer warrior that I knew in desperation, because that was the moment where I said, I don't got it. This is yours. And so the doctors are telling me they don't know what to do. They're telling me, I see the fear in their eyes. Um, healthcare is terrified. So I am going to call on God's people. And I'm going to say, will you please pray for Nick? And it wasn't an arrogance. It was a desperation. Mm -hmm. And in my most dark moment, the most dark moment of my life, it's that desperation of calling out and saying, will you please pray for my husband? He has got COVID. This is what I need you to pray for. And every single day, it was like manna, like manna from heaven. Like every single day, somebody would call me and say, hey, God gave me the scripture for you. And so the first day, I didn't have faith. Um, I felt like my well ran dry. That is the best way to describe it. I just felt like I had no faith. Like this was a whole on Nick and I have been through stuff in the past. Like the enemy has come for our family in the past, but this was a level where I'm now grappling with. I know that he's alone in a room and nobody's in there with him. And I know what he's going through because I'm a nurse and I've been in ICUs. And also I'm now grappling with where are the life insurance papers? What am I going to do if I'm a single mom? How is this going to work? Like, what do we do for the girls? Where can, like, what therapist do I need to get? Like, I am, how do I, he changed all the passwords to our bills. And then like, we weren't expecting him to get sick. So I couldn't even pay bills during that time. I'm like, I didn't know where anything was. And so it took a lot of oomph for people to just come in and have faith and say, you know what? You may not be able to carry yourself to Jesus, but we're going to bring Jesus to you. And this is the scripture we're going to stand on today. Cassie, can I pray with you? Cassie, can I bring you a meal? Cassie, like these were people that some of them I've never met before that would stand and bring me a meal, stand in the road and cry with me and just pray with me socially distance and just seeing what God did. So from my perspective, leaning into the church, which is the mm -hmm. global church and allowing God's people to embrace us as a family. Um, and then the nurses and the doctors and the staff in the hospital were all praying for Nick. And so he wasn't normal from the beginning. He woke up, he could move his hands. Um, so I would Zoom call with him, just how we're doing now. I'd, I'd call him on Facebook Messenger and we would just talk. I would talk to him and say, babe, this is the scripture we're going to stand on today. And he'd call me and I knew by the wrinkle on his forehead, whether or not we, we were having a good moment or a bad. And I would pray over him. I would sing over him. Like I would quote scripture over him. I would take authority. His dad would do the same. And um, like just what God did in growing our faith in that season, it's through the battles that our faith is grown. It's mm -hmm. not through the easy seasons. And so in that moment, there 
every day my faith grew a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And so on that Wednesday, Nick called me and he's weeping with a ventilator tube, which is the most horrific thing for a wife to be on a screen and I can't do anything about it. And so I'm like, you want me to call your dad? And I called his dad and his dad had a prayer room in his house. His dad's uh, our pastor of our church and um, prayer room. And he comes down and he just begins to claim. He says, Nick, the Bible says that a son who honors his father and mother will live a long and prosperous life. And Nick, you have honored your father and mother. And so my word says that you will live and you will not die. And we're standing on God's word. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. We are standing on what the word of God says. And to watch as a wife, to watch the one generation of the man speak the blessing over his son was just such a powerful moment seeing how God worked in that in the midst of terror um, and in the midst of every single thing that was going on and all the chaos because nobody knew anything they're like this is a shot in the dark we have no clue so we're praying over Nick we're trying to keep him calm we're like breathe like you got to help yourself out you need to start breathing you need to start moving like you can't get out of bed but you need to start breathing and moving. You need to sit up. You need to take deep breaths. So we're working with them, him with that from the physical. We're working with him from the spiritual of like, you know, there was a moment for Nick where he, he came to, you know, hear the Lord during that. And we weren't able to communicate. So I had no clue that God was speaking to him at the same time he was speaking to me. And that was the same thing. So on the eighth day, um, my husband calls me. And again, normally I start the day, Hey babe, this is the scripture we're going to stand on. And every single day I said, it's a good day for a miracle because I still believe that we serve a living, breathing God who does miracles. And so I'm like, it's a good day for a miracle every day from Tuesday to Sunday. I woke up and said, it's a good day for a miracle. Even if I don't see it, I will know that you are my God and I will stand blessed and highly favored. And I will proclaim your truth that it is a good day for a miracle. And you are a healing God. And so that day he starts talking and I just dropped to the ground and begin weeping because I haven't heard my husband's voice in over a week. And I wasn't sure if I'd ever hear it again. Um, so he began to talk and he began to weep and he says, Jesus is King. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, fully aware. And he said, no, Cassie, I've been in torment every single night. I have had dreams and visions. You know, I've just had some crazy dreams. And he's like, last night was the worst of it. And so I had finally fallen into a deep sleep. And when I fell into a deep sleep, I heard a voice say, get out of that bed. You will not die here. And when I came to that vent tube was halfway out of my mouth and I was projectile vomiting all over the ICU room. He's like, I didn't pull it out. Um, and like, he's like, I know I didn't pull it out. The nurse was literally just in there, in there. And so they took the tube out. And on five liters of oxygen, he was running 96%, mm-hmm. like the best that's I've seen. And I'm, it, it took me a minute to realize the miracle of what God did. Cause mm. I had to first call all my nursing friends and say, have you ever seen this happen before? Um, they called it a spontaneous extubation, mm. but I'm like, I, it is not spontaneous. Nope. It was intentional. Jesus pulled that tube out of my husband's mouth. And there is no doubt in my mind that my God heard my prayer and that today was a good day for a miracle. And so like, just, so we got through all of that, like he, he got to step down and then he got to, you know, the regular floor and then he was discharged and we cried and we came home together and, um, you know, we were just so thankful he was alive and we were just so thankful, um, what God did. And so he, before he left the ICU, 
he's like, Cassie, I need to write a letter to say thank you. These girls are going to be going through a lot. And I want them to know and have something to hold on to. And so we, he typed it out on his iPad because he was too weak to write it. And he asked the nurse on the day he left to write that letter on the ICU window. And that day the nurse snapped a photo of it and put it on Instagram, like hit his name and everything, but, and it went viral. And so then Cleveland Clinic wanted to do a special on Nick and get his story. And that happened. And then, um, it just went all across the world. And he was on Dr. Oz and Fox and ABC and NBC and CNN. And like, it didn't matter. Hope went across the board. Like that was the one thing that every single newscast, like they're divided on everything else, but that was the one thing that all of them were like, this is a story of hope. Mm -hmm. Amen. So like, you know, that is, that is the story of what happened with us with COVID. Um, and it's, it's definitely been a journey. We tell people we're living in our bonus blessing, uh, mm -hmm. our bonus blessing season. God has blessed us, um, with a bonus blessing and we are going to thank him through all of it. That is so awesome. I'm sitting here with goosebumps the entire time. That was just amazing. Amazing. So take, take me to where you guys are now. Yeah, we're two years later. Um, we moved, we moved into a bigger house, um, last at the beginning of this year, I really was like, you know what? I really want to do a women's thing. We were organically doing it anyways. We started doing farm dinners at my friend's farm because she hated women. So I'm like, I think you're just hanging out with the wrong ones. Mm -hmm. because there are some pretty amazing women. Yeah. Some of them suck. Um, mm -hmm. but there are some awesome ones. So why don't we do an entrepreneurial dinner at your farm? And so she did and it took off and it was great. And so in March, I'm like, I want to do a class. I want to teach women leadership, regardless of faith or not. Like I want to teach women leadership. And so we did a class and then grit and glitz was born out of that. And then we did another class and then we started doing farm dinners again over the summer. And we just wrapped up our last one in November and uh, we've seen women's businesses grow. We've seen new businesses happen. Um, we've seen like just God just do amazing things um, in the community and just grow community in a time that is so hard um, and in a time that is so divisive mm -hmm. to have women that are liberal, libertarian, Republican, Democrat, to have the women that are, you know, all at the same table eating and enjoying and sparring and saying, well, this is how I feel. Okay, well, this is how I feel. And like still saying, but at the end of the day, we're all going to still be sitting at the same table eating together and like how it's organically happening. And just like all the awesome things that have happened in the last year, goat yoga. I mean, who knew you could do yoga with goats in the middle of a farm field and women would show up to it. I mean, who knew? <laughs> so um, Nick is also writing a book. Um, I, we have spoken at churches. We have had opportunities to speak and bless people and tell our story. Um, we've been on podcasts. We've been, um, I've written for different things. Uh, yeah. We're just like, Lord, whatever you have, we will give you honor and glory. Um, and we're not weird. Like we believe like, but we live in Babylon. So we know that we're living in an environment that is non-churched. And so we have to speak the language of the unchurched. So we, we live in the bridge of the church and the community and really just trying to be that bridge back and to lead them back to Jesus. That is awesome. And God knows what he's doing. 
Um, I'm so grateful to see how you guys have really been able to influence, like I said, not just our area, but all over the world. That's That was so huge to see that. Like, I couldn't believe it when I turned on CNN and saw you guys. I think that was the day I sent you the picture. <laughs> I couldn't believe that we were on CNN either. <laughs> <laughs> that was so crazy, but it is such a good story. And it was definitely a sign of hope that, yeah. you know, people really needed because we were just getting too much slung at us at that point. We still are. But yeah. I mean, it was really bad at that point. And I mean, that's where Anchor by the Sword came in, in uh, May of that year. So yeah, I mean, it's God's still moving, even though the world is nuts. But well, and, and there was a, a moment. So I say this because there always is a good theology. And so there was a moment before all of this on um, the Monday when Nick was ventilated, when we weren't sure if he would live or die. And I told the Lord, I said, live or die. And this is something that I think is important for Christians because they like to say, he's going to live, he's going to live. And before I ever prayed, Lord, let him live. I said, live or die, Lord, you have us. Mm-hmm. And I sat on his side of the bed when I prayed this prayer and looking at his empty side and not knowing if he would ever be back. And I said, Lord, live or die, you have us. Mm-hmm. You've got him. You've got me. You've got the girls. You are still my God, regardless, even if hell comes for us and there is darkness and sorrow, you are still my God, but I need you to tell me how to pray. Do you want me to pray for peace for Nick to go peacefully? Or do you want me to pray for healing? And like, it was shortly after that, that we had three different times where somebody told us and that Nick is like Lazarus in the same way Lazarus lived, Nick is going to live. Um, and Jesus loves Nick the way that Jesus loved Lazarus. And then the last one was my daughter. She came home and she was helping me put groceries away. And it was the Thursday before. And she says, mommy, I believe that if Jesus can raise that one guy from the dead, he can heal daddy. And I'm like, what one guy say the name. Uh, <laughs> and she was like, uh, Lazarus. I'm like, okay. So like Thursday, my face, like, it was like my face went negative 12. And then like on Thursday, I'm like, oh no, we're coming out. Like, <laughs> Like, this is the Lord, like, this is what he's doing. And so my mother-in-law called me, um, while that was going on. And I mean, like, that was when I got like a juice of faith and she called shortly after and she was bawling because again, a 34 year old died of COVID. And I mean, a lot of people have died of COVID. And I told her, I said, here's the thing, Teresa. I said, he is still above ground. Like he's six feet above ground. And while he is still six feet above ground, I will throw every single thing that I have at him. So I'm not going to take that. There's a 34 year old that died. I'm really sorry that happened. He said, but I'm going to stand firm that my husband is still alive and I'm going to stand on the word of God and I'm going to speak life over him. And I'm going to pray for healing until he has nothing left. I said, while he's above ground, I will not stop praying for him. Now, if he passes, then we'll move on. He said, but while he's alive, I'm going to pray for him. And I just, I wonder what would happen in the kingdom of God if we actually just began to pray like that and say, while this person's above ground, rather than saying um, they're too far gone or they're too broken or they're too much or they've gone too far. Like what if the saints of God actually said, you know what, while they're six foot above ground, doesn't hurt to throw everything at them doesn't hurt to pray for him every day, doesn't hurt to begin to speak God's truth over them rather than our circumstances because circumstances change, but God's truth stays the same today, yesterday, and forever. So like, those are the things that I've been thinking of. And this is like, what if we actually became people of faith? Yes. Yes. 
Amen. That is so good. So good. So what are the anchor verses that God has shown you through everything and now? I mean, the story of Lazarus is amazing. Uh, so what are your verses? So uh, the first one is Psalms 34. Uh-huh. And it was, Psalms 34, 4 was, I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant with joy. Their faces are never ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him from all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and rescues them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. How happy is the man who takes refuge in him. You who are the whole, his holy ones fear Yahweh for those who fear him lack nothing. You young lions lack food and go hungry, but those who seek the Lord will lack, not lack anything good. That was a cornerstone scripture for what we were walking through. Um, another one, let's see here. I, I busted out my Bible for these. <laughs> um, Psalms 27 was another one. That's just been a cornerstone scripture for my life. Psalms 27, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Mm-hmm. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers come against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumble and fell. Though the army deploys against me, my heart is not afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, still I am confident. I have one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. For he will conceal me in his shelter in the day of adversity. He will hide me under the tent. He will set me high on a rock. And then my head will be high above my enemies around me. I will offer sacrifices in his tent for shout, with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Lord, hear my voice when I call. Be gracious to me and answer me. My heart says this about you. You are to seek my face. Lord, I will seek your face. Do not hide your face from me. Do not turn your servant away in anger. You have been my helper. Do not leave me or abandon me, God of salvation. Even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord cares for me. Because of my adversaries, show me your way, Lord, and lead me on your level path. Do not give me over to the will of my foes or false witnesses that rise up against me, breathing violence. I am certain that I will see the Lord's goodness in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong and courageous and wait for the Lord. That is my cornerstone psalm. So it doesn't matter what comes at me. It doesn't matter. It's not about, I think sometimes Christians, we put ourselves in the place of Jesus. We're like, we're more than overcomers. Yes, we are. But it's only because we have a sovereign Lord that wants a relationship with us. Mm-hmm. And so like, it has never been, I will stand firm on God's truth. I will believe in my God. I will be like David and say, who are you? You unclean Gentile who speaks against my God. Like, I will be that person. But I'm not going to sit here and say I'm I am full of faith and I am I am strong um, and anything. I just know where to go. And the mm-hmm. one thing I want at the end of my life is to be able to say I will stand firm on your word and I will look back and you will conceal me. And literally, this psalm has been how we've felt through the whole pandemic. God blessed us. Um, Nick's all of Nick's hospital bills were covered and paid for before he ever left the hospital. People gave us money. Um, people bought our kids Easter baskets. I didn't have time to get Easter baskets. People sent us Easter baskets. We had food out the wazoo. Um, like 
financially our bank account grew. Um, God blessed us in finances to the point that we were able to have a new down payment for a brand new house. We are in a new house now. Like we're in a different place than we were two years ago. And it's not because we're smart and wise. It's because we're in his word and we're willing to apply it to our lives. Amen. Those are like the two, but those are the two biggest ones when I'm like, okay. And then I read a proverb. I do read a proverb a day and I read Proverbs every single day because that's the book of wisdom. And I need, I need wisdom. And so I can tell you like my book of Proverbs has got marks all over it with little notes and stuff like it hits me different every single time. So um, Proverbs 14, one has stuck with me for the rest of my life. A wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. Mm-hmm. How so, long have you been doing that with the Proverbs? Seven years. Wow. Actually eight now. So I've literally been doing it eight years. I read a proverb a day. I do five Psalms and I journal and I just go like, that's my structure. And then I just go wherever in the Bible And normally it's kind of like, I mean, I've been, I've been dissecting this book since I was 13. When I was 13, I told the Lord, I want to hear your voice. And audibly, I heard one thing. If you want to know my voice, get in my word. And so I, at 13, from Genesis to Revelation, I began reading it and reading it and reading it and reading it and not stopping to read it. So like I started at 13, I'm 37. I haven't stopped reading it and it hasn't stopped hitting me at a different point in my life every single time. So, but eight years ago was when I was like, I'm going to, every day I need to read a proverb and every day I need to read five Psalms and just go wherever I need to go in the word. Wow. (laughs) That is so great. Is there anything else you want to talk to my listeners about? I mean, I would just encourage them like, you know, this story of hope and the story of what God did in the miracle. It is an amazing story, but before this story was years of just trusting the Lord and building faith and building relationships and being in his kingdom. And I know where I started and I know how I felt in the beginning. I felt like like when you first start working out, like you don't feel good. You're hurt all the time and everything hurts. Like I got a new personal trainer. Um, When we moved, I'm like, I'm going to get healthy. I'm going to really just focus in. I have a ton of food allergies and I I need to be healthy. So I got a dietitian. So you write me a a plan and I got a personal trainer and Nick would like smack me and then run, like not smack me hard or anything, but like hit my (laughs) butt and run away. And I could not chase after him because I was, it hurt to like walk up the stairs. I needed a cane. And that's how a lot of us feel when we start in our spiritual walk, we feel like, and I told him, I said, I will be strong again and I will come for you. Um, and <laughs> expect it. But so many times when we start out in our Christian walk or when we start with the disciplines, because sanctification is, um, we're saved through grace alone and sanctification is through Christ alone as well, but we have to partner with Christ. And so a lot of times people are looking for the next big thing or the next moment for their, like, God, I just need you to give me something. No, you need to open your word. And even if you do it badly, you need to start. I was 13 when I started. I learned how to read concordances. I learned how to read Bible dictionaries. I learned to look at it and ask questions. Like 
I started at 13. So some of you are still complaining. I'm just going to prophetically say this. Some of you are still complaining about where you are, but you have the answers in the book, which is the word of God. And you refuse to open it because you haven't had enough time or you haven't had enough knowledge. Like God is not asking you to have everything. He is asking you to do something and he will equip you. And so what I would encourage your listeners to do is get in the word, like, it's okay that you're going to be achy and sore and it's going to hit you in all the wrong spaces and it's going to hurt. And you're going to realize how weak you are spiritually. Cause once you start, then stuff starts happening and then you have little battles and you know, this big one with Nick almost dying, there are ones that I will, Gina, I will never be able to tell you ever dark, horrible hell had a huddle moment. And no, couldn't talk about it, couldn't do, like never be able to speak about it in public. And God met us there and gave us miracle after miracle after miracle. So before I ever got to the season of, you know, the letter on the ICU window and COVID, like God had already given us miracles. We'd already fought some battles that nobody saw. Mm -hmm. And so some of your listeners may be fighting some battles that nobody sees. And you need to understand like, it's the lions that David took out that allowed him to get to the place where he was confident enough to, out, to take out the giants. Mm-hmm. And some of you are fighting lions and on the backside of the wilderness and you're upset and you're angry about the fact that you're fighting lions rather than fighting giants. God is saying, this is the season of training. And so you need to allow the Lord to train you first, fight the lions, fight the bears, because it's going to lead to the giants. And you need to be prepared. And God is preparing you for what he's prepared you for. I think that's the, Chris Kane says it better than I do. <laughs> um, but God is preparing you for the thing he prepared you for, or he prepared for you. So allowing yourself to just be prepared. Yes, yes, yes. I was just sitting here going, man, that just hit me a little bit. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, it. It hits, it, but it hits all of us. And it's like, yeah. you know, I was thinking about it today because I mean, God is calling us to equip the saints. Like that's it. Mm-hmm. Like we've created Christian celebrity culture. We've created all of these other things that don't matter when God is calling us. What did he commission us to do? Go into the world and make disciples, preach the gospel, preach the good news of Jesus. And what are we doing? Oh, we want to market it. We want to do all of these things. We want to get like, we want to have the perfect outfits or the perfect this or the perfect that. It's like, no, that is all idols. Like that's extra. Mm-hmm. Like that is not what God's calling us to. God is calling us to equip the saints. Yes, he is. So Cassie, tell my listeners where they can find you. Yeah, so you can find me on Facebook or Instagram. Um, you can find On Purpose Ministries. Um, we are actually getting ready to do some events. So if you're local, um, we're going to be starting a series called Living in Babylon in January. Where the first one is going to be how to read and understand the Bible. So we'll be having three different locations, one in Strasburg, Ohio, Dover, Ohio, and Eurexville, Ohio. Um, so that's on purpose ministries and then grit and glitz. If you're a women business owner, entrepreneur, and you want to get connected to a fun group of women, you can do grit and glitz on Facebook and Instagram as well. Um, and then my name is Cassandra eight, five, one on Instagram. And then I'm Cassie Brown on Facebook. Um, and my profile picture is the same one that I sent to you in my bio. 
Awesome. And I will put all those links up in the show notes. And Cassie, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on today. And I will let you guys know she will be a return guest because <laughs> we have more to dive into um, throughout the time. So thank you again so much, Cassie, for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. Guys, have a great week. I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Anchored by the Sword podcast. I'm so blessed and grateful that you have taken your time to listen to this episode and to allow the freedom stories of the individual to be a part of your day. So let me know what you loved about the episode by heading over to the Instagram page at Anchored by the Sword podcast or over to the Facebook page for Anchored by the Sword and let's have a conversation. Also, I would really appreciate it if you would head over to Apple Podcasts to rate and review this episode so that other people can find this podcast. So blessed to have you here. Have an amazing week. God bless.